Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. And I have four friends lined up for these next few episodes. And I am so thrilled to be coming to you from my living room. The move has finally uh, taken place and the dust is still settling somewhat. Boxes are still yet to be unpacked. Construction is still going on somewhat, but for the most part, we are, this is all very livable. And I have had the privilege of having several women in my home for the past week. We did a well women workshop, which is basically the follow-up to women at the well workshops where I had 10 women from 10 different workshops over the past 10 years come together for a four day experience. And I have Suzanne Moore here with me. She was a part of that. And then she stayed for an extra four days to be part of this blast next level event, which is basically my mentorship program in a four day live format. Blast stands for building leaders, authors, speakers, and teachers. Ironically, Suzanne was in the very first blast class in 2009. So she has had a heart for helping people and especially women over these past 12 years. And she's dove back into it recently because something happened in your life, Suzanne, that really lit a fire under your butt to start speaking out to encourage women in their journey. Can you share with us, what was that pivotal experience that made you think, I need to get back into the business of making myself available to help people? Well, as a child, I was abused. And um, when I was actually writing for Blast, I had been out of any abusive relationship for many years. I was raising my two daughters, going to school, and uh, just really wanted to write. I'd written my entire life, and that's how I dealt with life. Um, but after 16 years of serving in ministry, raising my children, I uh, met the devil. <laughs> and <laughs> I bet a lot of women would beg to differ because they think that they maybe are married to him right now. <laughs> that's true, and they could be. <laughs> That bed no, jet no. commercial comes to mind, you know, where she's married to the devil. Have you seen the bed jet yes, commercial? Yes, I have, actually. It's hysterical. If you've not seen the bed jet <laughs> commercial, you need to Google it. But, uh, yeah, tell us about this relationship and what it did to you. Yeah, I spent uh, four years in that relationship, and it was a hidden, abusive relationship. He was sweet as candy pie. When you say hidden abuse, do you mean covert, like subtle? or that it was emotional more than physical or what do you mean by hidden um yes a lot of emotional abuse uh beating you down criticism of who you are change who you are gaslighting gaslighting making um, you feel as if things that you're complaining about are really your fault not his yes okay and you know in the beginning it starts out very very subtle mm -hmm. it's uh poking and pinching and, um, you know, cussing you out and kind of a Jekyll and Hyde, um, you know, really happy, really seems playful about it at first, but then almost becomes cruel with it when he realizes that he's getting under your skin. Yeah, absolutely. One time we were wrestling and uh, he just took it too far. He was holding me down. I couldn't breathe and he wouldn't let me back up. So I'm sure that you have all kinds of red flags going on in your mind when you're in a relationship where your feelings aren't being respected 
and your boundaries are not being adhered to. How long did this relationship go on? The relationship went on for four years. Um, there were two really big red flags, which one was um, the physical abuse began where he um, made himself out to be the hero, uh, which is the hero complex is very big in that type of narcissistic relationship. Um, he pulled me over a wall. I have a very large scar. I know you can't see it very well on there, but um, broke my arm in seven places. I had uh, two bladder surgeries because it dislodged my bladder. And so that was kind of the down, that's when I started going downhill. Something's really wrong with him. What is going on? How do I fix him? Mm -hmm. Because I was a people pleaser mm -hmm. and um, discovered narcissism mm -hmm. and hidden abuse. And so I started uh, working on that. And so to break free, um, I actually had to go to my family. I had to uh, break free completely, no contact of any kind and my family helped me escape that and a lot of people don't have family so um, I want to be a person that somebody can come to and I can help them. So narcissistic abuse, I, I do want to talk on that topic for just a moment because it seems odd to me that when a client hears that term it totally resonates with them but they didn't have a label for it before. How would you define a narcissistic abusive relationship? Um, or even just a narcissist? Well, a narcissist, what I originally thought a narcissist was, was just somebody who was really um, chauvinistic or self-centered, really, self thought really highly of themselves. Mm -hmm. But the opposite is very true of somebody who is a narcissist. Uh, they want to be who you are, so they seek out people who are vulnerable, people who have no boundaries, um, people who have a lot of uh, abuse in their past, um, and somehow they just know mm -hmm. <laughs> who you are, and so they find you, mm -hmm. and um, or they study more likely, they respond to the gravitational pull that you are sending out into the universe by being needy. Is that a, and I'm not directing that. I know that's really, really accurate. <laughs> right, right. Like, I really want to awaken both women and men to the reality that narcissists don't gravitate towards someone who has really firm boundaries and a strong sense of self. They gravitate towards someone that they see an opening, uh, that their boundaries aren't, you know, aren't firm and that they can get in and work their magic type of a thing. Look like a hero at first, but then wind up doing a lot of damage. So, uh, continue. I was not a confident person. I had a lot of shame. I didn't even realize I had not dealt with my past abuse, so the abuse just cycled back. Um, I wasn't, you know, I hadn't lost that shame in knowing that I, did, I didn't cause the abuse. I wasn't the reason that I was abused. I, I'm a beautiful woman, big and beautiful and bold, and um, I can let all that go. And so that was a real eye-opening um, life choice mm -hmm. uh, that I think a lot of men and women struggle with. We, we settle into our shame and think that's all we deserve. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about how we let our past negatively impact our current or our future relationships. You're, do you mind me asking how old you are? I am 52. And you have been single for how many years? Uh, 
technically single for, uh, I don't know, I divorced in 1995. Okay. And so. from what I remember you telling me before, you were a relatively confident woman during your single years, raised two daughters on your own, very strong, very independent. What do you think happened that opened you up? Or, or what, what past baggage had you yet to truly unpack that made you vulnerable for this abusive relationship to form? Well, when you're, when you're sexually abused, you have a really bad um, definition of what love is. Um, you think love is sex, mm-hmm. and so you seek out love. Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot of promiscuity in my younger years. Um, there were rumors about me in high school because of one particular relationship that I had. So I held a lot of shame in um, the bedroom. I thought that, uh, I guess, I don't know, that, that maybe it was a man's job to have me do whatever he wanted okay. because that's how I... So you were sub- you were probably more submissive in those mm-hmm. days. Now I recall you saying that you had been sexually abused as a child. About how old were you when that sexual abuse took place? I was uh, sexually abused by my father from about four until I was about eleven, um, and then my dad left when I was twelve, and then I was actually gang raped when I was fourteen by five boys in my high school class. So there really weren't very many years of your childhood where you weren't being sexually abused and violated. No, and I uh, met my husband when I was 16. We got married when I was 19. And so I had never been alone. And so when I finally divorced, uh, that's where I really, I felt like I needed to protect my children. So I kept men out of my home because I had a really bad vision of men. Understandably, so there were good ones in your journey. Sure, right. sure. You hadn't you hadn't been exposed to the good ones, right? Yet, sure. right. So we just jumped into life. I just uh, took care of my kids. I coached coached their soccer teams and uh, led some ministries at the church, and we did some mission trips. My kids and myself, mm-hmm. and so I had a lot of confidence in that world. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to, you know. I just didn't go there. Mm-hmm. And so, so I avoided the issue. Okay. So sweeping things under the rug, is that absolutely in hindsight, do you recognize that you were doing a little bit of that? I was. Um, and so childhood sexual abuse, a gang rape as a teenager, getting married very young, um, and then going through that divorce, and then living through four years of a narcissistic abusive relationship, how has Suzanne healed enough? that she feels confident that her future relationship will be nothing like what she's had in the past. Because this is what single people want to know. How can I keep my past out of my present and certainly out of my future? Because no one wants to go around these same big mountains because these are painful paths that we're talking about. And not sifting and sorting and separating that emotional baggage sure keeps it ever present in our lives. So what kind of soul work have you found to be helpful these past few years since this narcissistic relationship ended? Well, I discovered that I had not dealt with any of that past and I 
started delving into how do you um, how do you reconcile those things? What do you do? And I discovered that Suzanne did not have any boundaries. I didn't even know what a boundary was. So I said yes to absolutely everything. Mm. You were a people pleaser. I was a like yes man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely a people pleaser. And so I discovered the word no. Um, I learned how to set some boundaries where I could say no. I don't have to do that today. Mm -hmm. I could tell my daughter, no, I'm not coming over to see the grandkids today. Mm -hmm. I have things to do. I, I love that, and I especially love when a woman can say, instead of, I can't do that, just simply say, I'm sorry, I won't do that, or leave the, I'm sorry, out of it. <laughs> I'm bad with that, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> unfortunately, I, I won't do that, uh, but maybe I'll do this or whatever. It's okay to say no. A woman's yes isn't a wholehearted yes unless she knows that she can say no. So you had to practice that a whole lot. Yes because of the years that you didn't realize that you could say that, mm -hmm. is my guess. Okay, what else did you find really helpful in rebuilding your life and making sure that your past doesn't keep repeating itself? Well, um, I'm trying to think of kind of the order. Once I finally figured out how to do boundaries, I realized it was okay to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. That um, sometimes when you're in the middle of self-shame, you don't, you know, you may eat a lot of things. You may let your body go. You may not take care of yourself. Mm. And so I think Pick building you bad habits, a, a lot of habits. <laughs> you want to talk about the one that you just kicked? <laughs> I did one week tomorrow. I have not smoked cigarettes. And um, that was one of those shaming things. One of those things I picked back up in that cycle because I had quit for 17 years. Mm -hmm. And then I got in that abusive relationship and picked up. A cigarette and so that's free that brings a lot of confidence absolutely and you had said that it was only a matter of a couple days before you began to recognize the smell on your clothes and in your car mm -hmm. that it nauseated you and yeah yeah because I used to be the worst ex-smoker in the world I hated the smell of it my mother was a, a chain smoker ah. and I, I had trouble even going in her home so there's a and so here I am smoking that yeah Okay, and then I know that you have been intentional about putting yourself in community with other women and being very open and vulnerable about your story. Were you doing that on purpose, hoping that that would also be a healing experience? Yes, because I discovered also that healthy relationships, um, I didn't have a lot of those. That uh, to build a healthy relationship, you have to have uh, people who are willing to be open and vulnerable and um, not shaming and you know if you're not in their ball game mm -hmm. um, then you're not there so I uh, was actually invited how I really got myself back out into that arena was my sister-in-law invited me to a women's event um, and I was nervous about it because she was Pentecostal and so I thought oh this is gonna be weird <laughs> and uh, it was the most beautiful beautiful uh, thing because it's a bunch of women who really just needed each other who needed to be honest and vulnerable and open and, and feel like they had a safe space and a girlfriend that they could be real with it's a lot of difference doesn't it, it really does mm -hmm. and most women want that they want a deep kindred friendship right where they can be open and honest including a spouse sure 
And so you have decided to put yourself out there as an abuse recovery coach, correct? Yes, ma'am. So what do you envision your dream life to look like? What kind of help are you hoping to offer those who need it? Well, I'd love to be able to talk one-on-one -on -one in a coaching situation, whether it be in person or um, on video or even just on the phone, um, and just talk about what those things in the past are and how to move ourselves forward um, in confidence mm -hmm. to live our life forward instead of backwards. Um, I learned that I was constantly looking backwards when you put yourself in a very vulnerable um situation and you don't have supporters around you that can help pull you, um, you can really fall backwards quickly. So that reminds me of a delightful song that Suzanne has written. Uh, I asked her to do an opening um, icebreaker and share her testimony at our Well Women workshop and she totally exceeded my expectations and blew the entire room away with a song that she has crafted. Do you want to tell them a little bit about the song before I ask you to share it? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's a country song by Rascal Flatts. I have reworded it for myself, but um, it's that song, um, here's what you get when you play the country song backwards, um, but it is to my thing. And so basically the moral of that song was when you play, when you play the country song backwards, what is it? You get your wife back, you get your, your child back, back, you get your dog yes, back. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so when she told me that she had created her own lyrics to this song, I was intrigued, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop building you up because <laughs> you can stand on your own on this one. So go for it, girl. Okay. <laughs> You've got to know your audience in us. <laughs> okay, I'm going to look right at you. I was sitting on a bar stool in a barbecue joint in Texas. When this old girl walked in and she sat down next to me, I could tell she'd been through some hard times cause there were tear stains on her dress. And she said, you wanna know what you get when you play your life backwards. You get your addictions back, you get your nightmares back, you get your abusive husband back, you get your teens back, you get your sadness back, you get the house you lost back, your happenstance and the dance, 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 abusing, abusing family. You get the broken car and the broken bank and the blame and shame of that one night stand with Hank. It sounds a little crazy, a little scattered and absurd, but that's what you get when you play your life backwards. Well, I never heard it said quite like that. It hit me in the face, cause that's where I'm at. I almost fell flat out on the floor. She said, wait a minute, that's not all. There's even more. You get your fear back, you get your worry back, you get the endless sleepless nights back. You get your codependence and all the lies and your dislike of your butt and thighs. All the things you threw away for the foolish, angry, and insane. It sounds a little crazy, a little scattered and absurd, but that's what you get when you play your life backwards. We sat there and talked about how it would be if we could just turn around and live our life F 
O-R-W-A-R-D. You gain a smile and face, you gain hope and grace, you gain joy at the end of all that pain. You walk a new pace, you gain a life of faith, you gain a new girl with a warm embrace. Redemption sings as you swing, swing, swing into the arms of your new family. A reliable car and a balanced bank and the freedom that brings you peace and thanks. It sounds a little crazy, a little scattered and absurd, but that's what you get when you live your life forward. Well, I'd never heard it said quite like that. It hit me in the face, cause that's where I need be at. I almost fell flat out on the floor. She said, wait a minute, that's not all. There's even more. You gain stability, you gain a vision to see, you gain a new perspective on sexuality, you gain audacity, you gain tenacity, and you gain the treasure of your identity. Let God's endless strength and the ring, ring, ring of a future out of captivity. You are beautiful in every way, and that's what you get when you start living forward. Ladies, let's walk like the women we are called out to be. Let's stand up boldly in strength, perseverance, and resiliency. Wow. <laughs> that is so fun. I never get tired of hearing it. I think it's probably the fourth time I've heard it, but I love it every single time. I also remember a really pivotal moment for you at our Women at the Well workshop that you had mentioned earlier that I thought you might like to share with with our audience, um, I remember us asking your permission to let you lay on the couch and that we wanted to tattoo you. We wanted to give you some new labels to live by instead of the labels that you'd had before. What were some of those labels that you had had before that you didn't want to, to have rattling around in your head any longer? Yeah, I was ashamed of my past, so I didn't, you know, I, I think the biggest one was that I gave good head because that was um, a very shameful time in my life. Mm -hmm. I was in high school, I'd gone out with a young boy, and uh, you know, I didn't know any better. I just did what I'd been taught. And so, and I remember asking you, well, why do you feel so much shame over that? Is it true? Do you give good head? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> so freeing because um, it was just a new perspective right finding a new perspective on life now wait a minute I was a kid first of all right um but those shameful things that were said about us and even to us in our junior high and high school years you've got to scrape that off of your soul because it's like bubble gum on your shoe it will follow you everywhere you go until you realize that wait a minute they were taunting me out of their own insecurities I remember this one girl um, in junior high, her her favorite word or uh, nickname for me was slut. And I I wasn't even sexually active at the time. I was only 13, 14 years old. And I would wonder, like, why does she call me that? And I think that over the years, I started acting more and more like that because I chose to believe someone else's random label mm -hmm. instead of, yeah, just trying to figure out what to do about the situation, maybe even stand up for myself and say, stop calling me that, my name is Shannon, or whatever. But um, when we tattooed you, 
Do you remember what the new labels were, what we wrote on you? Well, there were a lot of them. Strong, beautiful. Um, I remember I, writing free. Oh, yes. Free. <laughs> <laughs> your arm. You had mentioned that you might want to get a tattoo to cover that scar. Yeah. I encouraged her not to do that. I don't want you to cover that. Let me do my picture. Exactly. The picture with your strong <laughs> arms and that scar showing. And yeah. you actually, even just last night, had an experience where there's a new gravitational pull that Suzanne is not attracting narcissistic, abusive men anymore. Tell us who you attracted last night. Oh, I attracted this precious young girl um, at the restaurant who... Uh, boldly told us that she had been raped and mugged the week before and she was probably 25 um, and I was so I knew God had connected us number one because she had a cigarette tattooed on her arm and I thought I just gave that up for this young girl <laughs> and how beautiful that was um, that's what my heart is to take that shame off when you know who also shamed me a lot as a young kid especially in that world was the church mm. let's talk about the spewing kool-aid experience you had on my front <laughs> lawn just a few days ago what is some of the kool-aid that you drank not knowing any better during your years in spiritually abusive environments so what were some of the lies that you believed about yourself or about god well, women should be quiet, and I've always not been quiet. I've always been bold and strong, and so that was a big one. That um, No more apologizing for that. I know. Uh, you're right. I say that a lot. Um, that, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it, but um, the whole submission issue, uh, women's, a woman's places in the home, you don't talk about sex, you don't... Uh, you don't stand up for yourself. You don't stand for yourself, up for yourself. You certainly don't do the things that I had done to get the name. Mm -hmm. um, that's not a part of a good Christian home. Mm -hmm. So, And unfortunately, so many people have associated sexual, or I'm not even going to say sexual purity, because I, quite frankly, I've grown to, find, to have a real distaste for that expression, as if mm -hmm. someone is impure if they have any sexual experience. So I guess I should say, I think the church has so often made a doctrine out of the idea that anyone who has sexual experience in their lifetime, whether that be through abuse or through choice, uh, that they somehow are less holy. Mm -hmm. Would you like to just like spew Kool-Aid right now? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would. I yeah. love that expression. Yeah, I did out. I realize that not all of our listeners are Christians, but for those who are, I just want to say that the only thing that makes us holy is the blood of Christ, and I don't care how much you have or have not experienced sexually in your lifetime, you can't get holier, you, you, can't, you can't do anything to make God love you any less, and you can't do anything to, like, there's, there's nothing else that needs to be done. Christ has done it all on the cross, and I also think that your faith has probably played a huge part in you letting go of that shame of your past Absolutely. and not dragging it into your future relationships. Would you like to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, this last abusive relationship, which will only 
I will never have another one. Um, I believe was you. pivotal in my life because it gave me a window into my past and I could go back and I could trace God's step even through the pain. I could find him in every chapter of my life. And I thought, oh, God is there with me. Um, he, you know, protected me. He held me when I needed to be held. And so as a single woman, it is, uh, to me, it is vital in building confidence and strength in your future to realize that um, you're worthy of who you are. And um, your past is part of God's plan mm -hmm. to move you forward. And spewing Kool-Aid is going forward. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Expelling the things that just don't settle well. Exactly. Yeah, so one of our next guests is going to be unpacking the concept of how do you avoid dragging your past uh, emotional or sexual baggage into your new marriage. Because uh, Suzanne is currently single, and I hope that all the single people have really benefited from watching this. That you know what? Sometimes you find yourself in a relationship that really needs to be ended. There's no shame in that. We really want to empower you. If you need the help of a coach, you can really open your eyes to recognize the abusive nature of what you find yourself in and how to break free. Suzanne Moore could be your girl. And so, uh, Suzanne, what, what would you say are the top three or four red flags that if a woman is seeing this, she perhaps needs to do some research on what a narcissistic abusive relationship looks like so that she can determine if that's what she has. Cause this is a unique, this is how I have described it is it is a very unique animal. Really this is, is not your standard run of the mill. Oh, we're not a good match. We need to go our separate ways. That this is a very twisted and enmeshed type of relationship. So how does a woman know? Well, I think um, the red or flags, man, sorry, yes, or man. yes, men definitely are abused by narcissistic women for sure. Um, I'm trying to think of the top ones. Gaslighting is one of them for sure, which um, is just making you feel ashamed. You know, if they're acting like they are God's gift in public and everybody loves them, but at home they are shaming you. They are telling you how terrible your family is and they're trying to isolate you from all of the people that you love. It is a toxic relationship. Isolation is a big one. Isolation and, and gaslighting. And if you don't know what that is, watch the movie Gaslight and you will figure it out very quickly. The Miranda Lambert song, Gaslighting. Oh, there you it's go. Good. <laughs> Any other signs that are um, very indicative? Well, yeah, just... Um, Hidden abuse, emotional abuse, is is really bad. And hidden just means that it's those little things, the little the poking until you bruise or the holding you down and saying, oh, I just don't know my own strength or, uh, you know, getting angry, like devilishly angry. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, friendly. Right, the, the Jekyll and the Hyde, Jekyll and like we talked about, the major emotional swings where you don't recognize the person from one moment to the next, or if you find yourself walking on eggshells, worried that you're going to upset them to the point that there's going to be some sort of explosion, either emotional or physical, but you know, violent in nature, then that is also a sign. I would also say that if you feel worse about yourself in this relationship than you did outside of this relationship, that's a big red flag because relationships should 
be a mutual exchange of positive energy and you should be building each other up and edifying each other and sharpening each other and encouraging each other. Mm -hmm. And so if you feel as if you're becoming a hollow shell of a person because of the relationship that you're in, I hope that you will grow a backbone and do some research and try to figure out a strategy for exiting. And I remember helping a client through a similar situation where I read that to bolt from this type of individual is probably the worst thing that you can do because they will chase after you and bite you in the butt. That what you kind of have to do is the same thing that you would do with, uh, if you were to find yourself with a dangerous animal, that you don't turn tail and run because they're going to outrun you, they're going to chase you. What you do is just back away very intentionally, but very slowly and make it just really unfun for them to chase you or to create drama because that's what they want. And so reach out to someone the same way that you reached out to your family members and your friends. Sometimes you need that support of other people to truly break free and to move on with your life. But you certainly don't have to drag all of that baggage into your next relationship or future relationships. And Suzanne, is there any other word of wisdom or advice that you would like to end with to encourage our listeners to, uh, to grab hold of their strength and their resiliency? Um, I think that, I think the biggest thing is to ask for help that we get so strong and what is it? Independent as women sometimes that, or even men that we don't want to reach out. We don't want people to know that things are going wrong. Um, I posted so many pictures of our happiness, which was absolute lies. And so, you know, really be honest and open with yourself and and reach out and if you don't have anybody um, there are resources i found a narcissistic abuse website that really helped me see like hey wow there's other people who are going through the same thing as i am mm -hmm. there's people like me who really want to help people like you right and there are entire youtube channels dedicated to this exact topic because it is very complex and it is very complicated but I'm so proud of you for breaking free and I'm so proud of you for recognizing the opportunity that God has given you to help other women break free themselves. And even as recently as last night, I see you letting your light shine and trying to be a positive influence in other women's lives. So you go girl. I'm going. I'm if, excited. Thanks for having me on. You bet. If you would like to chime in on the conversation and tell us about how you have overcome uh, your lack of confidence in the past, or unpack some things about a relationship that you have questions about, you are welcome to chime in by calling 32130-ON-TAP. That's it. So 32130-ON-TAP. You can leave a voice message, or you can email us at ontap at shannonetheridge.com. We love you for listening, and we thank you for tapping on us.